Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm William Friedman, and today we're studying Ketubot 50. The first half of today's Daf concludes the list of Takanot Usha, decrees mostly about monetary responsibility and sobriety that were passed in Usha. One of these Takanot, however, breaks this mold and serves as a meditation on appropriate ages for education and curricula. It's a bit different from our usual focus on unpacking legal concerns, but it provides a different kind of window on rabbinic culture. We'll start a little before halfway down 50A. Amar of Yitzchak, Be'usha hitkinu, she'yehe adam mitgalgel im beno ad shtemesrei shana. Mikan ve'elach, yoreid imo lechayav. So Rav Yitzchak reported that in Usha they made a takana, they made an enactment, that a person should, mitgalgel here is tough to translate, but probably means something like be patient with his son up until he's 12, meaning up until the son is 12, and from then onwards he should go down with him to his life, which most of the commentators, or all the commentators that I've seen, understand to mean corporal punishment. In other words, until the child is 12 years old, you treat him with a certain amount of patience, um, you sort of take take more time to deal with his uh, outbursts and whatever. But once he's reached 12 years old, he has now uh, quasi-adult abilities, quasi-adult responsibilities, um, and therefore needs to be compelled to perform them um, even with corporal punishment, um, very severe corporal punishment. Um, now, it's a little bit interesting. What is What did the statement mean in practice? Is it that a court could somehow prosecute someone who corporally punishes their child before they were 12? Or was this a response to too strict parenting or to too lenient parenting? It's unclear. In any case, the Gemara continues by pointing out a potential contradiction. Ini, is that really true? Veha, Amar le Rav le Rav Shmuel bar Rav said to Rav Shmuel bar Shelat, Batser mi barshit lo takbil, barshit kabel, Vesafele Ketura. So younger than six, less than six years old, Lotakbil. Don't don't accept him. In other words, don't try to educate a child before he's six years old. At six years old, do accept him. Vesafele Ketura. And that literally means feed him like he is a shore, like he's an ox. In other words, before six. It's not worth trying to educate children. They're too young at that point. Um, but once they've hit six, then you really, really start feeding him um, like an ox. Um, and the Gemara clearly understands safele katura, the feeding him like an ox, to mean actually you have to like physically punish him um, if he doesn't, uh, if he's not learning properly. Um, so the first statement, the Takanat Usha, said, no, you don't, do, you don't do any sort of like corporal or physical punishment until the child is 12. And this says when the child was six. So the Gemara responds and it says, 
In Safele Ketura, yes, in fact, that statement is correct. The statement of Rav is correct, that you do feed him like a like an ox. Mihu enu yoredimo lechayav ad la'achar shana. But you don't actually punish him in any sort of physically coercive way until he's reached the age of 12 years old. Right? So in other words, the way they, the way they make sense of these two statements together is that um, until a child is six, there's no point in trying to do any kind of serious education. Once a child has reached six years old, then you do intensive education, um, but unaccompanied by any sort of physical coercion or punishment. And only when the child has reached 12 do you start to engage in coercive methodologies if the child refuses to learn. So the Gemara has another potential answer, though, and it says, well, actually, maybe that's not the, the right system, but Ibayit Ema, if you prefer, you can say the following thing. Lokashia, there's no difficulty between these two statements. Why? Halamikra, halamishna. One is referring to mikra, to scripture, and one is referring to mishnah, uh, to the oral traditions of the mishnah, actually, as we have it. Um, so in other words, the first statement is being read here as saying, um, at six, you start feeding him mikra, you start feeding him scripture, maybe even accompanied by uh, physical punishment if he does not, uh, if the child is rebellious in some way. Um, but you don't do that for Mishnah until the child is 12, um, right? So it divides it up into different age stages. Um, and this is actually supported by a very interesting statement that Abaye is going to bring in the mouth of his nursemaid. We've seen this woman appear um, back on 39A when we, uh, when we actually talked about um, first sexual experiences for women. And in fact, these, this was one of the women whose words were reported by Abaye. So, Amar Abaye, as Abaye himself said, Amrali Aim, my nursemaid said to me, Barshit Lamikra, Bar Eser Lemishna, Bar Tlesar Lataanita Meet Laet, Uvtinoket, Bat Tresar. So, Abaye's nursemaid said, Well, here's how you educate children, right? In other words, Abaye sort of took, um, took her advice, took her. Um, her wisdom and is reporting it. I don't know if he's reporting it as if it's as if it's law, um, but there's clearly a parallel here between this statement and the one in Mishnah Avot. So this statement says: six years old, you start educating in Scripture; ten years old, you start educating in Mishnah; thirteen years old um, for fasting. For the full 24 hours, clearly referring to Yom Kippur. Um, and this is a whole interesting conversation that was uh, that was had back in Masechet Yoma about educating children towards fasting and at what point do they have to start fasting. Um, but clearly by this generation, 13 was, uh, was considered the age at which they could do that. Um, now it's possible that this actually precedes the notion that uh, 13 was the age at which you become obligated in mitzvot. Um, right, it would seem a little bit strange if uh, if there was a legal requirement that every 13-year-old perform all the mitzvot. Um, why is Abaye's nursemaid sort of saying like, yeah, that's about the right age to start doing this? Um, so perhaps this precedes that um, that uh, that halacha. In any case, um, but a girl, you do you start at 12 for full fasting, right? Which eventually that 13-12 distinction um, remains as sort of the uh, the distinction for obligation in all mitzvot. Um, so it's interesting, right? Because Mishnah Avot, uh, chapter five, Mishnah twenty-three, it's almost towards the very, very end of the of the central five chapters of Mishnah Avot. Uh, right? There's six chapters in our version, but the sixth chapter, everyone agrees, is late. Um, in any case, towards the end of the fifth chapter, um, we have a character Yehuda ben Tema who says that 
five years old is scripture age, 10 years old is mission age, and 13-year-old is for all meets of vote. Um, it's not clear, as I mentioned, what the relationship between these texts is, but uh, it certainly seems like uh, the Gemara didn't know of that Mishnah, or the Gemara didn't want to cite that Mishnah, or Baye didn't know, or Baye preferred to cite his nursemaid. Uh, it's not 100% clear what's going on here. Um, but in any case, we have these sort of staged advice. Um, for educating children. So then the Gemara continues, um, and Abaye brings two more bits of his nursemaid's wisdom, um, and these have to do with sort of folk cures for injuries. Um, and you know, there's a whole long conversation to be had about how do we relate to the quasi-scientific material of the Talmud? Do we think they thought it was scientific? Do we think that they thought, well, this is the best we can do to sort of make everybody feel better psychologically, even if we sort of doesn't seem to be borne out physically? Um, not clear, but in any case... Uh, I'll just read through it. Amar Abaye, I'm really aimed. So Abaye says, my nursemaid said to me, Hi, Barshit, Detarkale, Akrava, Biyoma, Demishlam, Shit, Lochaye. So she would say, uh, this six-year-old who was bitten or, or stung by a scorpion on the day that he turns six will not live. Um, now, I don't know if that means for sure he's going to die from this or it's a sign from heaven that he'll... He'll die young or something. It's not 100% clear because immediately the Gemara, maybe maybe the nursemaid, maybe just the Gemara, asks my Asvate, actually, how can we cure him? Right. So it assumes he will live if we do the cure properly. Um, and the answer is Mararta Dadaya Chivarta Beshechra Nashfaye Vinashkaye. So basically, you put some of this. Uh, and this is a little bit weird. Um, white ink. You put white ink in with uh, in with uh, some kind of beer, right, or some kind of uh, drink, um, and then you apply it externally. You rub it on nashfaye, and you make him drink it nashkaye. Um, and we see this sometimes where sort of the appearance of the cure, if it resembles the if it resembles the uh, the the thing that injured, um, is sort of seen to kind of offset it. Um, you know, sort of a a little bit of how vaccines work, but in any case, um, right, so this is basically saying, well, he was stabbed by a scorpion, right, so now uh, now give him this bitter thing to drink, external, internal, and it'll cure. Okay. And then we have another bit of advice or response to these situations. So a six-year-old who was stung by a bee, right, not a scorpion now, but a bee, um, on uh, the day he turns six, lo chaye, is not going to live. And then it asks again, Maya Svate, what's the cure? Atzvata dedikla b'maya nashfaye v'nashkaye. So here you put a, uh, basically, um, like a piece of a palm tree um, into water and then external internal application, um, and that's somehow supposed to help. Uh, again, these cures are a little bit obscure, what they were thinking, um, but... Uh, but it's part of the part of the Gemara's wisdom, at least, um, and uh, and that's what we've got. So I want to conclude this little sugya um, because what's interesting is at the beginning of the sugya we were talking about when to start educating, um, right? Which is sort of a debate that is maybe eternal to the human condition. When exactly does should one start educating children? Right? The ages get pushed earlier; they get pushed later. Um, and now the Gemara actually asks the opposite question, which is when is too early, right? What happens if you start too early? Um, 
And uh, much like today, where there's a lot of, you know, rushing around to get your kid into the perfect preschool, um, this also was an issue for, for the sages, right? Any sort of uh, intellectual class is going to face this challenge of like, well, I want to get my kids started learning, um, but maybe that'll have bad consequences. So the Gemara says, Amar of Katina, so Rav Katina said, Kolam achniset v'no pachot mi ben shesh ratz acharav ve'eno magio. Um, so anyone who enters their child, uh, presumably into study, um, before the age of six, right, younger than six, less than six, um, he will run after him, but not reach him, or it will run after him, but not reach him. Um, it's a little bit obscure, this statement, and the commentators uh, debate it, but um, basically uh, it sounds like um, he'll, he'll try, but he'll fail, Right, that uh, that uh, he'll he'll try to pursue them, but he won't actually be able to uh, to accomplish learning anything. Um, right, so basically, it's worthless. Don't bother. Um, but now there's another statement. Some say, right, that actually no. If you start educating very young, then his colleagues, right, the people who start the children who start learning a little bit later, they'll try to chase him, and they won't be able to reach him. Right? They won't be able to reach his level. In other words, it is effective to start learning early. The earlier, the better. Um, you become a much greater Torah scholar if you start learning at five than if you start learning at six. Um, right? So these are two contradictory, um, two contradictory statements, it seems. And the Gemara is going to kind of play them out uh, in, in two different but similar ways. So the first one, it says, V'tarvayhu itnehu, both are true. Chalish v'gamir, right? Meaning that some children will get sick, right? They'll they'll be, uh, this this early start to learning will actually be damaging to them. Um, and other ones will be gummier. They'll actually learn something, right? And that's and both both observations are true. And then the Gemara gives a slightly different uh, slightly different ending. Ibayat Ema, some say, or if you wish say, ha dich ha dikahish ha debari. Right? No, actually these two statements um, are not sort of just about well, for some it'll work and for some it won't work, and you're sort of left wondering, well, how do I know and what do I do? But this statement actually says, no, 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 if you have a sickly child, then the first statement will apply, right? If you try to get a sickly child, right, maybe an underdeveloped child, maybe a slow developing child, right? If you see your child is sick and you push him into learning early, then that's that's not going to work. Totally ineffective, may injure the child further. But if you have a healthy child, and healthy here may mean not just like normally healthy, but like particularly strong and powerful and um, maybe a little bit uh, physically precocious, which may indicate mental precociousness also, um, then that will actually be very effective. Um, it's interesting to just sort of see the sugi of here playing out both sides of the equation, when to start and when's too early to start. Um, and these are conversations that obviously uh, continue uh, until today. And hopefully some of the insights here about when to start learning Torah, when to start learning Mishnah, um, maybe they can help inform us as we uh, make Jewish educational choices both for ourselves and for our children. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.